We're back. It's Pretty Little Grown Men. I'm David Greenwald. I'm Dom Sinicola. Hello. <clears throat> Welcome again. And um, this week we're talking about Pretty Little Liars, Season 5, Episode 17, mm-hmm. The Bin of Sin. The Bin of Sin. <laughs> which is very much like an old, that's almost like an episode of like The Shadow from 1948 or whatever, <laughs> like some old radio drama, you know? Yeah. Uh, or that's like, it, it almost, or it sounds like a, like, Ron Jeremy Sex Club or something. <laughs> One of his lesser known ones. Right. So this episode really could have been many things. <laughs> uh, but in fact, it was a pretty standard Pretty Little Liars episode down to like A doing yet another James Bond uh, murder scene where A just sets up this mm-hmm. wild machine and just wanders away just... Assuming everything will work out. Yeah. What if A actually killed them in one of these episodes <laughs> and killed half the liars? Like, A clearly needs them alive or would prefer them to be alive so A can keep sort of bouncing them around. Like, what if one of these crazy schemes actually worked out and you killed two teenage girls and you were like, oh, fuck. Well, now what? <laughs> well, that's why you don't, you can't imagine that, uh, like, A sets up, like, they'll never get out of it this time and, like, Walks right. away and it's and like then Dr. finds Claw. out that they, yeah finds out that they lived and then it's like shit <laughs> how could I fuck it up again <laughs> yeah it's weird I think in this episode I was starting to get a little bit irritated by some of the devices that the show just uses over and over and over and it's mm-hmm. like you know it's been five years and over a hundred episodes and we've just seen so many of these things play out so many times and it's like okay. Well, I mean, well, it's, 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 you know, uh, we've talked about this many times. It's almost a joke to see how many times this happens, but, uh, the fact that the liars continue to not learn, uh, how to be safer. Well, that was interesting because so Spencer and, um, uh, and Arya get trapped in the ice cream factories, like freezing bin or whatever, which is just so ridiculous. It's funny if you actually, if you, if you just... We should just have one episode of this podcast where we literally only describe the plot in like the most base terms. Because it's like, and then the liars got trapped in an ice cream factory, right? Right. <laughs> in a very spooky ice cream boo-boo's, factory. Boo boo's ice cream factory, which is like, of course, abandoned. <laughs> yeah, the, um, abandoned, the old abandoned ice cream factory outside of town. Right. Right. It's so <laughs> it's so silly. But then Spencer does have the good thinking to like take this gigantic crowbar or whatever, this wrench, put it in the door so someone can't just slam the door on them. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, as soon as something happens and they hear somebody wandering around, she's trying to grab for it, A's like, oh, a wrench in the door. I'll just slide this right on out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it ends up being like, well, that wasn't actually very helpful. Also, it did seem like a good idea. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was it was better than just wandering into the room and not right. noticing that it was obviously a door that could be sealed, you know. Um, and I thought the the fact that they're walking in and there's this laptop playing uh, video footage, you know, taken from Hannah's mm-hmm. laptop or whatever, someone filming them, uh, her and Caleb unknown, you know, that sort of goes back to like the very old school episodes of the show where everyone is just under surveillance all the time mm-hmm. and videos are just popping up everywhere. That's a very Ezra thing to do. That's true. Very Ezra, very NAT club. Very NAT club. It's true. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, isn't that what, uh, is, wasn't there an episode of the show where it might have been Hannah or somebody explained how you can use someone's camera to, to, 
surveil them. Is that a word, surveil? I think so. It's probably a word. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think in, in real life, there are plenty of guys who... Um, there was, I read some story once about some guy who was able to, like, hack onto people's computers and watch them through their webcams on their laptops and stuff like that. So it's certainly, like, not unreasonable technology. Mm-mm. No, no. It's just, it's just a tool an A tool that we haven't seen in quite some time, which I thought was kind of an interesting wrinkle in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... Uh, you do wonder why... Again, we, we, you know, we're trying to figure out the motivation of... And we don't even know the identity of, of, of A, but why, why lure them out to the factory? Like, why, why bring them out there in the first place to... Oh, to fake kill them. Like, right. Are these just elaborate schemes to continue to scare the liars? Because they never work. It's not like this stops them from doing whatever they're going to do anyway. Right. They're clearly not scared. Yeah. It almost feels like this has to happen in a Pretty Little Liars episode, just like in a Power Rangers episode, they fight a, they fight a monster at the end. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just something that you have to do in an episode, and so it's like a rote part of the plot without actually... It almost feels like in Power Rangers or, you know, better examples like Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon or one of these anime shows that I watched as a kid where, you know, it's basically every episode is the same, Mm -hmm. you know, or even the X-Files. It's like Monster of the Week. And then in the background, you have like a little bit of long-term plot that gets opened up. And Pretty Little Liars (laughs) has always done a good job of being like having the long-term plot front and center, but... And that was mostly true in this episode, but then you run into these A scenarios, which just seems so, like, random and silly. Like, right. if, it's, mm-hmm. if A doesn't actually want to kill them, and A's not sending the messages like, you better not do this particular thing, mm-hmm. or I'll kill you, <clears throat> yeah. like, there's just no message, so it's just like, alright, that happened right. at an ice cream factory, and it was weird. Yeah, it, it's funny, because at first I was thinking, wow, like, this episode feels... Like, a lot is happening, but then, as we sit here and recount it, not really much happened at all. They kind of, I mean, the biggest plot development was that all of the stuff from that room got moved. Right. And that now the police have the barrel in their custody. Right. And there were some random drops of blood by the barrel, which could belong to, you know, who knows who. Why didn't they move the barrel? Was it finally just, like, A, saying, like, I don't want to have this body anymore or just yeah. trying to figure out how to get get rid of the body i mean maybe it's not a body and we don't know it's how a rotten ice cream we don't yeah i mean we don't know how spoiled, spoiled ice cream i thought the most interesting plot of the show was toby dealing with his boss and trying to deal with his girlfriend and his friends and like you know putting together his work-life boundaries if you will mm-hmm. which you know i thought it was sort of an interesting uh metaphor or, or analog for like you know when you get your first real job and you have you have a career and you have to like somehow suddenly manage your commitments to your yeah. your partner and your you know your friends and all this stuff mm-hmm. uh obviously things are more strained in a pretty little liars universe than if toby was just like a regular cop and could go for beers after um, <laughs> yeah. but you know i thought the show was trying to is trying to also play out some sort of real-life aspects even among, amid the melodrama of, right. the, of the murder mystery. 
Is is Toby of age? Is he is he old enough to drink? I don't think so. How is there an age limit on being a cop? You just have to not like. Is it eighteen? I mean, you know, Rosewood's a parallel universe where they don't have Twitter, so right. <laughs> I think anything could be true. We really don't know what the laws are. That's one of the that's one of the things we don't know about this ro- this word this universe. Well, we have learned that in Rosewood, age is just a number. That's true. That's true. I mean, maybe you know, it's funny because we talk about the show as if everything you know by our own mores and our own sort of you know ideas <laughs> yeah. about how things should be, mm-hmm. but actually. This is a, a fictionalized world where there are ghosts and psychics mm-hmm. and all-knowing villains yeah. who have miraculous surveillance technology. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should be thinking about it as a world with its own And they rules. don't have Facebook or Twitter. They still have uh, relatively old phones. Yeah. Um, Although I think they do have... Somebody no, has no, iPhone. They, all have, they have all iPhones. They seem to have iPhones yeah. now. Yeah. But I think that's a good point. You know, maybe... I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but like, you know, the show obviously does have sort of its own uh, rules for at least how it addresses the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I mean, okay. So, uh, what, I'm trying to think of it. I guess when I was saying that it didn't feel like a lot was going on in this episode, it felt like there was, that, like you, what you were saying, the, um, the main plot of the whole series uh, felt relatively secondary to um, sort of uh, wrapping up, uh, or kind of getting to wrapping up other large, not necessarily A-related plots of the season. One being, you know, uh, Arya and Ezra's continued um, weird relationship stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which this episode basically ended in Ezra just sort of floating the idea to to Arya that they break up, which... You know, this was like the first time he's done a mature adult thing on the show in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated it, even though I'm not sure if it was like a moment that felt super earned. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that that was the climax of that story versus like him reading Arya's letter over and over and being like, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah. If that's how this whole, if that's how their story ends with him just saying like, Oh, oh maybe uh, I was a big, maybe this was not so good. Yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy. Of, did a lot of soul searching and I've realized that I'm too old for you. Um, I would, I would like that to end that way. Um, hopefully that's how it happens. Um, or maybe he goes to jail. I don't know. Um, and we were right about the new chef flirting with Emily. Yeah. She's down. She's totally down. And she's made, made that clear this episode. And Emily was like, oh man, I don't even know how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. And then the only other thing was, of course, the continuing grossness between, Jason and uh, Mrs. Marin, right? Which she was totally, she's still totally into it, and you know that she's not going to accept the, the proposal from Ted. You know, it's or poor old Ted when they are out on the street and they hug, and he goes in for the kiss, and then she's like, "Nah, bro, mm-hmm. can't do that again. I told you the first time." The look on his face is so like, "But ah, I really want this," and it made me think. You know, we were so set on him being like. This, this suddenly this master manipulator character. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, it felt like, you know, maybe he's looking for like a sexy mo- mother figure 
to take the place of like his mom and you know that's what a master this, manipulator would want you to be think. this weird thing well that's true <laughs> that's true but that was the vibe i got from this episode he felt like a lot less of a sort of creepy dark character and more a little bit more authentic yeah so okay so uh we had another the the last um the episode ended with an a scene yep um, that we figured was probably Toby. Yeah, um, I definitely think it was Toby. Toby um, just doing some sort of uh, rogue investigation um, of whatever's happening. Because, and I think that he's not telling, he's basically lying to Spencer because he can't involve her. Right. Because he doesn't want his boss to find out. Right. Um, so we're probably going to find out that Toby's actually good and he's trying to figure things out. Um, and that, about like two episodes ago, that the A who was sneaking onto, was it Holbrook's computer? Or right, somewhere? right, in the office late at night. Was Toby, too. Right, probably. because we see Toby in this episode uh, floating the theory that Holbrook influenced Allie's lie detector test. Right. And so I think he's trying to build his own investigation, but he has to do it on his own time because he's already been slapped on the wrist in this episode and told, you've been a cop for six minutes. Mm-hmm. Six minutes and not seven. Yeah. You know, you should not be questioning, like, your authority figures, you know, um, which felt like a pretty standard police response, more so than, like, a conspiratorial response. Yeah, except, you know, that's that's what doesn't make any sense, is is maybe, or maybe the, the obviously, the... the um, higher uh, people in the police department are trying to save face because Holbrook made a pretty public fool of himself. Right. At the ice queen party or whatever. Right. Um, and so it doesn't make any sense. And so I guess it, her response is more just her being defensive, which is sort of like, uh, how dare you speak of him like this? You know, we can't afford to... Uh, have it get out that some like a, a lead detective on a case, yeah, some is, scandal is making out with the lead suspect in uh, in public at right. a high school dance. Well, it, you know, it was funny because that sounds her, a lot worse when you like describe it. <laughs> her, yeah, I mean, her response was like, "Who told you that? Your little high school friends." And it's like those are the people who you think like. Could could have killed somebody. Yeah, like it felt really funny that she That's would true. be she would like try to marginalize them, and at the same time, they're all the prime suspects for everything from in the last couple of years. Right, right. So in other words, it doesn't make any sense because Holbrook is obviously corrupt. Right. Yeah, I think you know I don't think she thinks he is or she is denying to herself. I don't think this is her protecting a corrupt cop. I think it's just her protecting a cop. Period. Yeah, that was my take. I don't think she feels corrupt. Well, isn't she supposed to be so incisive and uh, so observant that she, like, has a good idea of what's going on? Because it seems like she's overlooking some pretty major things about Holbrook. And, you know, what? It, it all starts to add up, which is um, Holbrook is definitely corrupt. Uh, and he's working with Jason. Yeah. Well, yeah, I thought the whole, I mean, the thing is, if 
I mean, Holbrook seems pretty clearly to be corrupt, but then, you know, we're just playing out another Wilden scenario where there's just another crooked cop who's helping out these teenage girls and it just becomes a sort of gross sex thing again. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, I always think of the movie Ray where the entire last hour of Ray is pretty much just like the first hour and a half done again, but just super quickly, just to make sure you know, yeah, Ray likes to fool around. And then he goes out and plays his music, yeah. you know? And it's whenever you see a show like this where it's like, let's just make sure that you know what the motifs of the show are. So by repeating this thing over and over, you know, um, so it starts to feel a little bit not, it's just not very, you know, engaging for him to be like, oh, yeah, I got convert. he got We found another seduced. cop who's corrupt. Right, and seduced by a young girl, which is so easy in Rosewood. Yeah, unless, I mean, the only thing that would make any sense would be to up the ante to the point where the whole, the whole of the Rosewood Police Department is corrupt, and it's basically Toby, you know, like the lone wolf idealistic uh, police rookie right. who is going to save the day and save it from the inside. Well, I would like to see that happen, and I, I think that's what we're seeing with these A scenes. Um, so hopefully that pays off, and Toby mm -hmm. gets to have a heroic moment. I <laughs> see some tension down the road for him and Spencer, but he's going to come out at the end, and there's going to be like a montage sequence before that where they're both just like alone and crying, and they maybe break up, but then Toby at the end saves the day, and he's like, I solved the mystery. And Spencer's <laughs> like, oh, this is why you couldn't tell me anything. Now I understand. <laughs> um, so I hope that plays out. That's a satisfying plot line to me. Yeah, and then there is, of course, yet another conversation between... I feel like every conversation between couples on the show lately is just like... Uh, I think we, like, I think, I don't think we can be together. Right. Circumstances it's, are ripping us apart. Right. It's very person, much like yeah, doubling yeah. down or clearing the air kind of thing. Yeah, and the other person has to be like, but no, I'll be with you till the end. Um, what did you think of, like, we were kind of, I mentioned this during the podcast, or during the episode, it feels like the liars are all sort of in total fucking disarray. Mm -hmm. And since Allie went to jail, like, when she was gone, they got they came back together in the first place because of her absence, sort of, they had to stick together again. Or A brought them back together, right? Right. And so now, Allison's in jail, and they've all sort of fallen apart, and they're not coordinating, they're not working together. A is still out there attacking them in person, and yet somehow <laughs> that is not enough for them to like have their shit together. It's almost like a mirage that is almost like not even, it's so normalized that it's not even just like, well, Holbrook or whatever, or who, Allison. It's like, you're being, you almost died. Yeah. You almost froze to death. It was a person in an A hoodie. You got an <laughs> A message the last episode, and it's just not being taken so lightly that it feels it's just so confusing to me well i think it's um so uh, we, uh listeners at home uh we watched this episode with our friends andrew and sarah who are sitting across the room but andrew is saying that none there no one on this episode or in the series because this is the only other episode he's seen besides the pilot uh make any rational decisions everything they do is totally irrational and it's true they're not they're not they're not talking to each other they're not making logical decisions they're going through the motions of 
whatever it is. Like, they're basically acting as if as if um, this were, like, the first time that A has started attacking them. Well, it, it feels like a false level of panic to me. And we talked about this with Caleb with the knife, where Caleb was like, whoa, can't have this knife out there. Oh, no, not for Caleb. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and in, in this one, I mean, putting Hannah's name on the storage unit, okay, that's a good plot move. Mm-hmm. That, like, brings up some real shit. But... She was like, I don't have a choice. I have to go do this specific thing. And it's like, no one is telling you to do that. You just sort of decided that that was what you needed to do. Yeah. You know? And it's like, they're all in a total panic. And it's like, you could sit down and take a deep breath. And like, you know Allison's in jail. You know Holbrook is working with her. Like, you have a pretty clear, they have a pretty clear sense of what they think is happening. And who A is and all that. That then, pre- that then presents to them very clear steps in order right. to either prove or to uh, prove or disprove their beliefs or gives them the opportunity to just like fucking drop it and leave it alone. Right. And yet they're acting in just like blind, constant panic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I wonder, like what you said about, about uh, H- Hannah's name being on the lease... Besides sort of instilling disarray into the group, what is the point? Like, what do... I don't, it's like I, we're trying to, like, we, reverse yeah. engineer, like, a, an ultimate, like a, a, a motive from all of these disparate things that basically only serve one purpose, and that's to fuck with the liars. And right. That's the only I, purpose. I think at this point, we just sort of... This is the point where we need to, like... Do you ever read, like, internet comments... Um, I mean, it, uh, specifically about like a summer blockbuster or whatever, where someone's like, just turn your brain off and enjoy it. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what needs to happen right now with Pretty Little Liars because it has become the motivations and like the fear instilling and all the A stuff has become so sort of nonsensical mm-hmm. that we kind of just need to, I don't want to say the quality level has fallen, but like the plot level i think is just super loose and we Mm. kind of just need to go with it a little bit well i'm thinking back now to when okay when mona was a and like did all the shit that she pulled in the liars have an ultimate goal and did we ever actually were we ever actually told what that goal was i think she just wanted to torture them I mean that's that makes sense, but that's also pretty convenient, you know, like because that that's they can sort of say like all A ever wants to do is just fuck with the liars, right? But but even then, it's like why 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 would they they essentially haven't done anything, right? Like Holbrook has no reason to be doing that outside of being told to by Allison, mm-hmm. and like he's a grown man and a police officer, and like unless she has some weird convoluted blackmail on him, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's hard to think of like who would be the person who would want to perpetuate this. Like, would Jason want to do it? Maybe because he thinks they're responsible for like the death of his mom somehow. I it's just like well, I don't see the obvious motivation. Besides, besides, and this doesn't even bring up Bethany Young. Well, that's a, that's why it's yeah, good point. That's why it feels like uh, you know Holbrook being corrupt, whether or not. Um, that is actually, uh, you know, whether or not that actually has to do with him being A or not, then that 
it's basically just sort of like the show is re- is reliant upon the basic idea that it's like this world is filled with with really most for the most part disgusting grown men. That's true. And that you just and like also, you just accept it. You and know? and also Cece and Melissa. Right. <laughs> just um, disgusting grown people. I mean the A that we see at the ice cream factory. Mm-hmm. I Toby's at work. Jason is helping uh, Ms. Marin move boxes. Yeah. So could be Cece. Could be uh, what's his name? Holbrook. Holbrook. Yeah, um, Holbrook isn't taking care of his dad. Outside of that, who could it be? Mm-hmm. Everyone else is dead. You know. Yeah, I don't know. It's. If, hmm. It could be Cece. And it could be, I mean, I, you know, I think it's, Melissa. yeah, I mean, she's still presumably in Europe somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, although who knows where she is, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. She, she wouldn't try and kill her own sister. Probably. <laughs> who knows anymore? Yeah. I mean, if Jason's true. behind this, he's obviously like plotting and conspiring against his own blood. Yeah. I just, you know, I just don't think, I've never thought that Cece was a particularly interesting character. And she was just sort of introduced to the show as like, oh yeah, Allie had all these other friends. Like, just so you know, here's one of them and she's crazy, you know? Um, Like, obviously there's, they've tried to give her some weight and some backstory, uh, but we also just don't see her very often on the show anymore. So it makes her seem, you know, it's going to be this person who has not been, had a lot of face time on the show who ends up being like pretty important probably. Right. So I would like to see more of her. It's sort of weird that we don't see her around Rosewood at all. Unless she's just a lackey. She's just a, a grunt for someone with more power. Right. You know, which seems seems more likely. Um, yeah, so uh, I think it's... I mean, is it too much to say that all of, all of the messiness that we're sensing is... Is on purpose, or are we just so deep in this season that it's hard to stop after a tiny chunk happens and and like want to come out of it with some sort of overarching a concrete? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's part of it. I think that's definitely part of it. And I think it's just like you know, a show's on the air for five years. Um, certain messy things are just going to accumulate, and outside of like, I don't know, a, a Breaking Bad or even you know, even like Mad Men. It's like a lot of Don doing the same thing over and over, <laughs> and like that was the big um, critique, like yeah. of the last season, the current season of Mad Men. It's like, well, Don hasn't learned anything; he's still doing the same stuff. And you know, I think Mad Men is one of the more purposeful shows on TV. And in showing Don do that, the message is like, change is hard. Yeah, self control is hard. And when when you see in a movie or a TV show, someone does like the fitness montage at the end of a romantic comedy. Like, that's not realistic. <laughs> that's not how people live their lives, you know? And so I think as a sort of thematic element, I think it works despite being kind of unsatisfying to watch over and over, you know? Um, but I don't think that's what we're seeing on this show right now. Right. I think it's just like they feel like there's certain elements, that hallmarks that they need to put in. Um, and, you know up the ante on the on the scariness and like have them being this creepy ice cream factory which probably seemed like a good idea at the time but is it yeah. scarier than anything we've seen in the past no um 
and the fact that it was like the opposite of Spencer almost getting melted like a couple episodes ago was sort of like, <laughs> okay, you're running out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think maybe they're just kind of, it just feels a little bit uninspired and I hate to critique the show, but I, I think we are seeing like a little bit of like exhaustion beginning to seep into like the back half of season five of a long running television show. Uh, speaking of getting some perspective, we have brought uh, Andrew over to the table. Um, today is the second day that he has ever seen a Pretty Little Liars episode. The first day was the pilot, which I've mentioned on the show before. Um, what That was months and months and months ago. Yeah. Um, you did not have good thoughts about the pilot, <laughs> did you, Andrew? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't particularly well put together, and I think, like, um, at the time, it was so much about them being in high school, which had a lot of tension with the plot line, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the plot line of, you know, sexual relationships or pseudo-sexual relationships or the implication of sexual relationships Mm -hmm. and all of these teenagers running amok was, like, really, like, can I curse on this show? <laughs> Please. Yeah, we, we, have the, we have that tag clicked in iTunes. Yeah, it is explicit content. Explicit was, content. was really fucking distracting. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of silly, right? Like, it made it just mm-hmm. feel funny. And mm-hmm. so I didn't much care for it just because that was just so distracting that, like, the plot itself, like, the, the murder mystery plot, like, just, just, like, fell to the wayside. Yeah. Um, well, the murder mystery plot doesn't really get introduced in that episode until the very end right um you yeah. know and we've and we 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 have devoted an episode of pretty little grown men to the pilot episode and uh it's a very jarring return to it i think i think that was what we concluded basically it was it was a jarring return yeah it's it's a very the tone is very you know it feels like a pilot the tone is different the even the way the colors show up is different like it hadn't really figured out what it was going to be Mm-hmm. Whereas this episode is very much like, to me, typical Pretty Little Liars episode. Um, so how did you think this compared? Well, now I can see like why people like it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was actually fairly polished. Like There was some weird editing and a couple weird camera shots that were like a little distracting. And a bunch of odd foley uh, that I thought was really funny. Like, <laughs> I think anytime it's creepy. Anytime <laughs> that somebody uses a computer, that computer makes like a noise. It's like... That is, <laughs> that is the typical TV show computer noise. It's like it even happens on Twenty Four. You know, like they're supposed to have like these state of the art machines that that no citizen should ever have. And when they're like closing windows, it's like yeah, it's like like what's that setting and how do I turn it on on my computer? Because like that would just make me feel like so fancy all the time. Just everything. Like you work on a government machine. <laughs> but oh. um. But, like, in terms of story, it was actually kind of cool. It was, like, one part, you know, uh, morality play meets one part, like, you know, soap opera me- mm-hmm. and one part, um, <laughs> like, Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in both good and bad ways, but um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think I, Scooby-Doo I is a good comparison for the level of, like, ridiculousness that the show has gotten itself to with the Ice Cream Factory. Yeah, the, the you see you see uh, <laughs> Spencer and Arya enter one room. They're running away from A, and they enter one door, and they come out of the same door. Like you know, like can you can you imagine like looking at 
like down a, down a large hallway, like a Scooby Doo hallway, and there's all these doors, and then they enter one door and they come out of the yeah, other exactly. door. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's no need for continuity, and then like the mm-hmm. room, like when they're freezing or whatever. Um, just the fact that the villain person in the hoodie, um, who are they? Like A. a That's A. That like they don't like stick around to make sure that they're dead. They're just, <laughs> yeah. like, like that probably worked. Bye. But <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten away with it too. Not for you meddling. Kids. Exactly. And so it's just like total Scooby Doo time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so was it relatively easy to follow based on uh, sort of jumping into the middle of it? The the murder mystery plot was really easy to jump into. The relationship stuff. Like, mm-hmm. all of the sexual tensions and, like, relationship tension, di- like, relationship dynamics between people was totally opaque. Um, mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know, it seems like those two are probably a thing, and maybe there's some weirdness with that. And there's just, like, pretty people everywhere, and they yeah. all kind of, like, look the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I want to compliment Emily's hair this episode. She looks super great. She does. She's 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 on edge and probably not in a very good mental health or headspace, but uh, she is looking good. And the chef is like, <laughs> man, this girl's energy is all over the place, and she has such lustrous hair. <laughs> she does clearly, clearly into it. The the one thing that I kept thinking about uh, the two th- actually there are two things that I kept thinking about during this episode. One was, um, have you guys ever seen? That Tim and Eric show, um, Bedtime, Bedtime Stories. Stories yeah. yeah. So you know, like the first one where it's like the the upper middle class horror story with like the neighbor who like oh, wants yeah. to wants to watch ball games. And, yeah, like, yeah. This show actually reminded me a lot of that in that <laughs> it was like because it's a morality play about like upper middle class values. It just felt like, a dark, twisted version of itself at times, just because, mm. like, you know, it's okay to lie as long as the lies, like, justify the ends, and the ends are, are like, socio-normative, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And that just gets real creepy sometimes, <laughs> because it is creepy! <laughs> right. And it's just hard to understand with this show... What channel is this show on? ABC Family. See, and that's why it gets fucking weird, because I'm not sure if it's self-aware or not. Um, We've talked about this before, um, if we're... And it feels like it's... It feels like it really is, because I don't think that it can attain the intelligence that it does if it wasn't self-aware. And you sort of have to break through the veneer of super cute boys all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I am unclear now on the level of self-awareness and the level of like, this is what this is and here's how it's going to sort of be subversive or here's how it's going to transcend itself. And But I think a thing runs long enough and it sort of, you know, stops being whatever it's set out to be and just becomes uh, the thing that it, ha- you know, what it is essentially. Mm-hmm. Sort of like when Letterman started and he was like this sort of anti-talk show host. And now, you know, he's been doing it for five million years. And you go on Letterman and it's Letterman. Yeah. You know, you sort of cannot, you can't rebel against the sort of precedent you set. And I think the show has very much stopped doing that. And is now playing out these 
you know, it goes, it's into the standard trope of like a gossip girl thing where it's like, all right, now who's the new boyfriend? Who's the new girlfriend? Like Mm -hmm. how many people can we connect sexually? And eventually like you get to the end of gossip girl and like, there may be two people who have not hooked up, but every single other person who could have possibly done something definitely has Mm -hmm. over the course of like 150 episodes. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just hard for me to, you know, that's why I asked what channel it's on because like, if it, you know, if it was on FX, it would be a lot easier, or I don't know, some... Any, no, FX is a good point. Any yeah. other station than ABC Family, I would be more likely, maybe except for the Disney Channel, I would be more likely to accept that it's self-aware. But. Would it, I mean, that, and that's a good question, is would it be as... Ins- I mean, it's hard if you're, if you're, if you're avoiding it to... Uh, n- to see how popular it is, but it's insanely popular. Oh, I, it's a really super popular TV show. I totally show. believe it. And you wonder that if it wasn't on ABC Family, if it would be that popular. If it was on FX and it was sort of like this, like American Horror Story, which is, you know, obviously takes a lot more risks as far as graphic content goes, but is just as indebted to a whole lot of tropes of the genres that it emulates and uh, is incredibly fucking ridiculous. Um, and so you could almost see it being sort of in that same vein where if it was on a station that wasn't ABC family, it could take more risks and be darker, but you know, not, not being on one of those stations, it can't really do that. And it's also hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you're right. Like that self-awareness, it's like, I don't know anymore. I'm, it's really hard, especially with an episode like this, which is not bad by any means, Sure. but it's just so standard for the liars. Right. Right. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, we're into sort of the middle of the second half of the season, so we're going to sort of get some just, you know, not necessarily filler episodes, but just Mm -hmm. they have to sort of push things along before they get to the real, the climax and Mm -hmm. the conclusion. Um, And they opened with some pretty intense stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. I think this was just like, can't expect every episode to knock it out of the park, and this one was just like a totally fine episode. What uh, Andrew? What do you think is in the barrel? Uh, I hope it's a dead body. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I, 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 I hope it's either a dead body or that. spoiled ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I hope it's Mona. Poor Mona. Yeah. But Mrs. Uh, the psychic Grunwald thinks Mona is in the earth. Wait, there's a think psychic. Oh yeah. <laughs> Was that? There's a psychic, psychic lady in the episode. <laughs> no. So you. But she, missed thinks, a whole... she thinks Mona is buried in the ground. So knowing She's that in infor- the dark with so, worms. Yeah, so knowing that information, wouldn't Hannah, who had that conversation with her, mm-hmm. wouldn't Hannah have told the other girls? I mean, this goes back to our information sharing problem. Right. Wouldn't Hannah have said, okay, so I hung out with Allison, and also I hung out with Grinwald, who told me that you know Mona's like buried somewhere, so she definitely can't be in this bin, and we all need to chill. Like, why is she so set on making sure it's Mona? Hannah's in full-on panic mode right now. Uh, she absolutely is. Um, basically, Caleb's just like, whoa, slow your roll, girl. Right. You need to chill for a second. But, let me do some fancy computer things. Yeah. Like, like let me slap this keyboard, and that'll <laughs> fix all your problems. That, let the daddy take care of this home for you, baby. But that strikes me as, like, a little bit of a slip-up by the show mm-hmm. to disconnect the Grunwald encounter... And the psychic message from the reality of like a bin that might have Mona in it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's another great 
point where it makes me question whether or not the show's self-aware, though, because it's like, you know, female hysteria, like, with the male hacker bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right. just like this, it's just like such this ridiculous trope of, of, of stereotypes. Well, one thing, way. Andrew, you did miss is that Caleb has had a lot of supernatural uh, happenings. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's freaked out on this show. Yeah, he, he went to a whole other town where there were ghosts, and he had, and he went to the, he died for a little bit, and came back to life. Uh, was so Scooby-Doo there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a lot better, you know, maybe the show. Farmer Jones! Uh, <laughs> masks was, involved. Yeah. Maybe that show would still be on the air if, if Daphne and Velma had been on it. <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, but, yeah, so... All in all, uh, the episode was was fine. It, it bridged to next week, which oh, well, we didn't watch that. We should have watched the preview for next week. Yeah, um, this one, this episode. Although you know, I like not watching the previews because they make the episodes seem crazier than they actually end up being sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, bin of sin. Are the bin is is that the the barrel? Is that the storage unit? Where, what's the bin? I think it's. That's a good question. Is it the barrel? Because last episode was called Over a Barrel. So now we have this other word to, that we're applying to this object. That's true. Is it that important that we're calling it a barrel and a bin? Maybe the bin is the freezer in the abandoned ice cream factory. What happened in that freezer? I know. That's a thought, too. I'm just guessing that it's because barrel doesn't rhyme with sin. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I mean, you can't have two barrel episodes in a row. That's not allowed. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I. I really also hope that it's a body. You know, it's. So I Eddie, really want it to be a body. Somebody's body. Otherwise, it's going to be a very stinky barrel. Yeah, it obviously smelled. I mean, but spoiled milk smells really bad. Although, you, t- you think that Toby would know what spoiled milk so- smells like. He's like, ugh, what's that smell? And be like, it's fucking spoiled milk, you idiot. Can I propose an experiment? <laughs> we should get some ice cream and leave it out, and then see if it smells like Mama Vanderwall. I'm, I'm down to go get some ice cream. I would, be, I would be happy to do that. I don't think we should leave it out. I think I should just eat it. Yeah. Um, for those of us, for those of you, I'm sorry... Uh, who made it through this episode. We're giving you a short one this week for once, uh, and you can reward us by starring us on iTunes and telling telling your friends and Um, passing the word along. Yeah. Uh, So this week, um, I'm drinking a very... uh, We're now in the segment of the Andrew where we plug things every once in a while. So think of something you want to plug if you want to tell our listeners uh, about something coming up in your life. But I'm drinking a... uh, it's a IPA from Gigantic Brewing that was aged in gin barrels. It's a very intensely flavored beer. I can't even tell if I like it or not, to be honest. Uh, I was drinking a Brew Doctor Kombucha, which I got on tap at Hawthorne Growlers, uh, because I live in Portland, and that's something that I do occasionally. <laughs> I'm also drinking this beer out of a Powell's Books pint glass. Uh, Powell's is a place that you can go to buy Pretty Little Liars books if you'd like. That's true. They probably have all of them. So Powell's, where you can buy Pretty Little Liars mm-hmm. books. See, <laughs> I like that we're rehearsing. We're getting so good 
at our at our public radio deliveries. So when someone actually wants to sponsor the show and give us money, which is a thing you can do, uh, <laughs> companies companies of America, um, we're gonna be really set. We're gonna be really ready to deliver. Um, Andrew, would you like to plug anything? I'd like to plug Dom's mouse that's sitting on the table here because it's made by General Electric. Yes, General Electric makes mice. Oh wow! The more you know. <laughs> Was that something that you didn't know? I didn't know. Oh wow! They make everything, man. <laughs> they're they all make... over. They're all over the place. I went. Uh, I was. I was talking to a friend, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and he was um, proclaiming to the high heavens LG products. He said that his LG phone has lasted him forever. Oh, and he was also talking about a LG microwave that he truly, truly loved. It was, it was concave on the inside, so it was a really easy clean. <laughs> I guess that's important to to microwaves. Well, I was, I was just like, I LG, like really LG, man. That's good. That's nice, good. Nice good. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that brings us to our. Maybe that could be our new sign off. If this was like a happier podcast, if it was like about the Bachelor. <laughs> Or like something that was not like completely insane. We could sign off with that. We can get LG to sponsor. What is what is the sign off that Robin Leach always used? Uh, like caviar dreams and champagne wishes. Oh, on, on lifestyle. Lifestyle is Champagne wishes and caviar dreams, bitches. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> you gotta add bitch when when you talk in Pretty Liars world. You gotta add bitches to everything. Okay. That, that pretty much turns any sentence into a sign-off. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> now, now I know. I forgot, what, what was our new sign-off that we used last week? Well, it's oh, not, I know what it's it is. It's not act normal, bitches. It's not act normal, We've abandoned that. I know what it is now. You ready to sign off? I'm ready. Okay. Trust no one, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>